morning, Journey. This morning, we're going to continue in our sermon series this Christmas season called Hark as we look at the announcement of the birth of a Savior. And I don't know about you, but there's different ways uh, that people respond to that kind of news, right? Uh, I was thinking over the years, uh, we've had that announcement in our family a few times, and I've responded differently <laughs> the older that I got. I remember Megan and I had been married maybe two months, maybe two months, and we were living in this little tiny married housing on the Bible College campus, and Megan came home, and she said, Justin, I think I'm pregnant. And my response was, <laughs> and then later that day, Megan took a test, and she came in, and she said, Justin, I'm not pregnant. And my response was, I ran a victory lap around the outside of the entire housing complex, <laughs> shouting praises to Jesus, because I knew I was not ready to be a dad. And then years later, we'd been trying to have kids for a couple years, and we were sitting in our house in Illinois, and I had just resigned from the church that I was leading. I was going to go work uh, for the school, and I was taking a pretty big pay cut, and we knew it was going to be really tight, but we felt like that's what God wanted us to do. And we were laying in bed, and I said, you know, this is probably when we'll get pregnant now. And Megan says, well, about that. And my response was, of course, thank you, God. Well, then we lived here in Wayne, and we were actually visiting back in Illinois where we had come from, and we were sitting at some friend's cabin, and uh, husbands, I don't recommend this, it didn't, I didn't mean it the way it sounded, uh, but we were sitting in, their, in the cabin here, and I looked at Meg, and I go, you're pregnant. And she goes, what? And I said, no, you're pregnant, I can tell. What do you mean you can tell? No, I don't mean you look pregnant. <laughs> I said, I can just tell you're pregnant. And she's like, oh, shut up. And I said, no, nah, you're pregnant, I can tell. And so she went to Walmart and got a pregnancy test, and pretty soon from the bathroom I heard, you've got to be kidding me. How do you know this? And I said, well, you look great. And uh, you're glowing. That's the correct term, right? There's different responses to that news. But if we read our story, our text this morning, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1, you're going to find that Mary, the mother of Jesus, actually changes her response to this news as we move along. Starting in verse 26, we see that Mary's first response to the good news of Jesus is she's surprised. Starting in verse 26, it says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. He went to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. He came to her and he said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and you will bear a son and you will call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her and said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. 
Scripture says that Mary's first response to this news of a Savior that will enter the world was she was troubled. She was nervous. She was confused. Uh, scripture shows us that, that Mary says, I don't, I don't understand what you're saying. Mary says, how can something like this be? Mary's response to the good news of Jesus entering the world is, is complete shock and surprise. Maybe a little confusion. Maybe some worry and some fear. And if you think about it, this surprise, this response is, is pretty understandable. I mean, think about what Mary is hearing. Mary's been told that she will bear a son. And he will be the son of God. He will be the savior of all of Israel and the entire world. Now, now understand that Mary, Mary's never, Mary's never done what you need to do in order to have what she's now being told she'll have. All right? Don't make me explain this on Sunday morning in church, okay? <laughs> she's not married. Her fiancé isn't even in the room to hear this crazy explanation. She's probably young enough, she's a teenager at best. She's not wealthy by any stretch of that word. She's not famous. She's not important. She's not somebody that the world would look at and go, yeah, that's the one that should do this. She's not the person in her day that most people would have picked for this, even if you believe that this will happen. And Mary says, I don't understand. I don't understand what you mean. I don't understand how this occurs. Now, now understand, Mary isn't suggesting that God can't do this. Mary's just suggesting she can't figure out how he's going to do it. It's shocking to her. But I wonder, maybe, maybe this news, this announcement is supposed to be surprising. Maybe it's supposed to be a little unbelievable. Salvation is coming in a way that we know that only God could do it because only God is capable of doing this. Maybe the good news of Jesus coming to the world is supposed to shock us. It's supposed to be something that we hear and go, that doesn't make any sense. I want to suggest to you this morning that the good news of Jesus, this announcement that a Savior is born, that he has come down to earth to live a perfect life, to die on a cross, to save the world from its sins, should maybe surprise us a little bit. Maybe our response is supposed to start with, that doesn't seem right, that doesn't seem accurate. Like, I believe that you can do this, God, but how will you save the world through a baby born in a manger? Church, can I ask this morning, are you still surprised by the Christmas announcement? Does the announcement that a Savior has come who will give his life to pay the price for your sin and for mine so we can have eternal life, does that still shock you? Do you still hear that news and go, that doesn't make any sense to me? God, I believe that you can. I'm just not sure how or why you would. See, Romans chapter 5, Paul says that while you and I were still sinners, that's when Jesus died for us. See, the announcement that the angels are making, the announcement that Mary is hearing is not just that she's going to have a baby. The announcement is that the Savior, who all mankind has longed and hoped for, is entering the world. The announcement is not that Mary's going to have a baby. 
The announcement is that salvation is coming. The Christmas announcement for you and I this morning, the good news of Jesus is that a Savior is coming. A Savior has come. He will live a perfect life. He will set all wrong things right. He will redeem all mankind. He will take on the penalty of your sin and mine so that we can be set free. Does that news surprise you anymore? When John saw Jesus coming in chapter 1 of his gospel, he said, Behold, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This announcement is not about a baby in a manger. It's about a sacrificial lamb who takes away the sin of all mankind. And church, I think we should pause this morning. I think that should cause us to pause and be reminded of how crazy this is. It should make us sit and think, I can't believe that God would send his son to die for me. I think Mary's response is appropriate. I think we should hear that news and go to God, God, I believe that you can, but I'm not sure why you would. I'm shocked that you would do this for me. So we're going to take just 30 seconds this morning, and I'm going to ask you to pause. I'm going to ask you to sit. I'm going to ask you to go to God and think about the announcement that he makes to your life this morning. The announcement that a Savior has come and died so that you could live. That is the announcement of Christmas. So we're going to pause for just a few seconds, and I want you to sit with God in that news and thank him for what he's done. Let's do that. Mary goes on in our story this morning, and she moves from surprise to surrender. In in verse 37, which we read at the end, it says, the angel says to Mary, nothing will be impossible with God. He's told Mary this incredible story that she will give birth to a son that she doesn't conceive. It's not from Joseph, it's from God. He will bear the weight and the sin of the world. He tells her this shocking news, and he says, but Understand, nothing's impossible with God. That's his explanation for Mary. And Mary says this in verse 38. She says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now understand this morning, this is no easy response from Mary. This isn't just a, okay, sounds good. There are, there are real-life consequences that are going to come with Mary's surrender to the good news of Jesus. See, see Mary is, is engaged, but in her day, engaged essentially meant the same as married. You, you couldn't break an engagement in Mary's days except for sexual immorality, which is what Mary knows more than likely she will be accused of. 
Mary hears this good news of Jesus, and she asks, how will this be? And the angel says, nothing's impossible with God. And Mary's response says, okay, then I'll trust and I'll obey. I'll surrender to the good news of Jesus. A Bible scholar, Thabiti Anawail, says this. He says, think about Mary's response to the response of Zechariah. If you are here last week, we looked at the response of Zechariah. He says, Zechariah stumbled in unbelief, and Mary yields to God in faith. He says, Mary sounds a lot like the people we look up to in Scripture. Mary sounds a lot like the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament who said, here I am, Lord, send me. She sounds a lot like Queen Esther when Esther said, if I die, I die. She sounds like Ruth when she said to her mother-in-law, Naomi, your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Wherever you go, I will go. It reminds us of Job and his suffering when he said to God, even if you kill me, my hope is still in you. He says Mary reminds us of Jesus who later on, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, prays to God and says, Father, not my will, but yours be done. He says this is how faithful people respond to God's plan, even if they don't understand it. Don't miss this this morning. Mary doesn't get a great explanation. Mary asks the angel, how can this happen? He gives her no details. He just says, just remember God can do anything he wants. And Mary's response is, okay. I don't think Mary had any more understanding of what was going to go on than she did before she asked the question. But the angel said, God's got this figured out. And Mary says, okay, my trust is in him. Think about all the things that Mary had to have been thinking, or at least should have been thinking. Think about all the hesitancy to surrender that you and I might have had if we were her. Mary is about to face, at best, public shame. She's about to face the prospect of divorce or never getting married. She would likely wear the scarlet letter of her day and be forced to leave her home and alienated from her family if she wasn't stoned to death, which was allowed by their law. She would have been broke. She would have been destitute. She would have been kicked out of her house and living on the street. The only way that someone responds the way that Mary responds is to believe that God's plan is better than their plan for themselves. Church, can I ask this morning, have you really surrendered to the message of Christmas? Have you fully surrendered to Jesus? Have you said, okay, Jesus, whatever your plan is, even if I don't understand, I'm in? Because that's Mary's response to this good news. The angel says, a Savior is entering the world. You will bear a son And your son will cause the rise and fall of many nations. Your son will be the restoration for all mankind, the forgiver of all sins, the bringer of life. And Mary says, okay, I don't understand how this plan works, but my trust is in you. Do you and I have that kind of faith this morning when we hear the good news of Christmas? Author Philip Yancey once said, he said, I've come to understand in my years of life that there really are two kinds of what people call faith. He says one kind of faith says if, and the other one says though. He says one kind of faith says if everything goes well. 
if my life is prosperous, if I'm happy and <clears throat> no one I love dies, if I'm successful, if things are going right, then I will believe in God, I'll say my prayers, I'll go to church, I'll even give what I can afford. He says, but there's another kind of faith, a, a biblical faith, that says though. It says, though nothing seems to go right, though I don't fully understand, though the causes of evil seem to prosper, though I sweat drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane asking God if there's another way, though I drink the cup of suffering that Jesus drank at Calvary, though all those things are true, nevertheless, precisely then, in that moment, I will trust in the Lord who made me. I will surrender. Don't miss this this morning, church. Christmas is not about a baby in a manger. It's about a Savior who entered the world to set things right. It's about a Savior who came and who would do something that makes no earthly sense. He would live a perfect life and he would die in your place and mine to pay the penalty for the sins that you and I have committed. He would defeat death once and for all at the cross. He would be raised back to life so you and I could be set free. And the response to that is surrender. So church, can I ask one more time this morning, have you surrendered to Jesus? Maybe you're here this morning and you've never done that. You've never said, all right, Jesus, whatever the plan is, I'm in. Jesus, you're the one that I trust to lead and save my life. I think that's why Jesus gave us the beautiful picture of baptism and the beautiful picture of communion that we take every week. B baptism is a reminder Baptism is that moment where you and I say, the old life I used to live, I'm gonna bury in the waters because of what Jesus has done, and I'm gonna be raised to a new life that I have in Jesus. It's a public declaration of the surrender in my heart to Jesus. Communion is that moment where I'm reminded of the price that Jesus paid, his broken body and his shed blood, where I come before Jesus and I'm reminded that a price had to be paid so that I could be set free if you're here and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, why not now? If you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, can I gently ask you and me this morning, are we really fully surrendered to him in this season of life? Does he have everything that is of you and me? Because the announcement of Christmas is that a Savior came and gave everything he has for you and me. In church, that should cause us to pause. It should cause us to reflect. It should cause us to think. So we're going to do that one more time this morning. We're going to pause for just a few seconds, then we're going to finish our story. But I want us to pause, and I want you to go to Jesus, and I want you to think about what it really means to give everything to him, to trust his plan for your life, even if it doesn't make sense right now. And I want you to sit with Jesus in that. Let's do that this morning.
Mary surrenders to the good news of Christmas. She says, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. Whatever you say, God, I'm in. And now that Mary has gotten over the surprise of the Christmas message, now that she said, God, I'm in, the only response left is pure, unfiltered joy. It says, in those days, Mary arose and she went into the hill country to see Zechariah and Elizabeth. Verse 41, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you, Mary, among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Why is it granted to me the mother of my Lord should come and see me today? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt with joy. Blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary may be beginning to fully realize what this good news was about. This is what she says. She actually sings. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. From behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has shown the strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones. He has exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. These two women get together for the very first time since they've been pregnant, and they erupt with joy, not over the babies that they're having, but over what God is doing. This isn't just excitement about having babies. This is pure joy about the fulfillment of God's plan of salvation for all of mankind. Mary's song is not about being a mom. It's about God setting everything right through the Savior that she's carrying. It's about pausing and recognizing what the real announcement of Christmas is. Leonard Sweet said this about Jesus. He says, I think we forget who Jesus really is sometimes. I think we hear Christmas stories so often that we forget of what that baby really was that lied in that manger. Jesus is to the imprisoned the key to freedom. He's the door of salvation. To the sick, Jesus is the great physician. To the naked, Jesus is the lily of the valley who clothes even the smallest flower. To the attacked, Jesus is the advocate and the redeemer. To the addicted, Jesus is the supplier of everything they've ever needed. To the debtor, Jesus is the payer of our debt. To the lonely, Jesus is the comforter. To the drowning, Jesus is the anchor and the green pastures on the shore. To the homeless, Jesus is the cornerstone for the mansion over the hilltop. To the depressed, Jesus is the son of righteousness, the hope of all nations. To the lost, Jesus is the guiding north star. To the wanderer, Jesus is the way. To the dead, Jesus is life. To the seeker, Jesus is the truth. To the hungry, Jesus is the bread of life. To the thirsty, Jesus is the cup of heaven from the well that never runs dry. Jesus is everything to everyone. So church, can I ask one more question this morning? 
Does this announcement overflow you with joy? Does this announcement of the gift that Jesus held, does it bring you unspeakable joy this season? Don't miss the announcement of Jesus. It is bigger and more than you think. Don't miss this. This announcement that the angel brings to Mary and that brings to us this morning, this is the announcement that your sin all of the things that we've ever done that are apart from God, the announcement is that those things have been wiped away forever. This announcement is that death has been defeated and you and I no longer have to die. This announcement is that your eternity and my eternity is secure in Jesus. This announcement is that your life and my life has been given purpose. This announcement is that hope has come, death has been defeated, restoration is possible. You can be made whole and right and alive again. Come on, church. This is good news. Amen. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, I tell you a mystery he says, we will not all sleep. We will all be changed. He said, it'll be in a moment. It'll be in a twinkling of an eye. At the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised imperishable. We will be changed. He said, death is swallowed in victory. He says, oh, death, where's your victory now? Where's your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus. He says, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, be immovable, be abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Church, what is your response to the announcement of a Savior? The prophet Isaiah spoke of this day that Jesus would come. He said, the Lord himself will give you a sign. He says, behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son, and his name will be Emmanuel, which means God is with us. The announcement of Christmas is that Jesus, God himself, is with you and I. In chapter 9, Isaiah says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The announcement of Christmas is that you and I have been set free. I've shared this story before. In fact, I might have shared it last Christmas when I preached. But it just speaks to what we're talking about this morning. And so if you remember it, it must have been really good. And if you don't, well, try it again the second time. <laughs> but in the book, Case for Faith, Many of you have read this. Uh, the author, Lee Strobel, describes a man he met named Charles Templeton. Uh, Charles Templeton, if you don't know him, was one of the best friends of the evangelist Billy Graham. He was partners with him early on in his ministry, close friends. They did everything together. Templeton was actually a pretty good preacher in his own right and a really good evangelist. But Templeton, at some point in his life, ended up doubting his faith. He eventually abandoned his faith in Jesus altogether. Not only did he abandon it, he became a major critic of Christianity. He actually wrote a book called Farewell to God, My Reasons for Rejecting the Christian Faith. Templeton was 83 years old when Lee Strobel interviewed him for his book, and he asked him, he said, Mr. Templeton, what do you think of Jesus now? And as the band comes this morning, Templeton's response is very telling 
At 83, he said this. He said, in my view, Jesus is the most important human being who has ever lived. That's when Templeton uttered the words Strobel said he never expected to hear from him. He said Templeton looked at him. He said, if I may put it this way. And he said Templeton's voice began to crack. And tears began to fill his eyes. And he looked at Strobel and he said, I, I miss him. I miss him dearly. Strobel said tears began to pour. His head began to bow. He raised his left hand to shield his face from Strobel as he wept uncontrollably over a Savior that he dearly missed who he once knew. Church, don't miss Jesus this Christmas. Don't miss what the announcement of Christmas is really about. The announcement of Christmas is that a Savior came to the world so that you and I could be set free. It is the greatest gift and news that you and I will ever hear of. And the question is, how will we respond? It should shock you this morning. It should blow us away that God would leave his throne on heaven, come to earth in the form of his son, and die so that you and I could live. That should blow our minds. But it should lead us to surrender because let me tell you, there's no other news coming. The news is the only hope you and I have is Christmas. And that should bring you great joy because a savior has come who died so you could be set free. My prayer is this morning that we don't miss him.